feeling energetic and ready to do this i'm feeling breakfasty (laughs) (laughs) i had a cup of coffee i'm feeling mostly on top of all of the work that i have to get done oh good which is good most importantly though how's your foot oh you know it's fine i just i'm gonna pretend it's not broken but know in my mind that it is (laughs) yeah the phantom break you know what's weird is, so it's, it's uh, like, I feel like we start all these shows now talking about our <laughs> medical conditions. No, but it's a, it's, a, it's a displaced avulsion fracture of the fifth metatarsal, which apparently you have like a little bone on the side of your foot that is just like a little piece that sometimes when you roll your foot, it breaks off. Oh. So it's not like a hairline fracture where if you, if you like step on it too much, it can get worse and turn into like a full break. Um, it's already broken off, so now it just has to, like, reattach itself in the place where it's supposed to. And as long as I don't do crazy things, I feel like it'll be fine. I also, I went to the orthopedic doctor, and he was like, yeah, just, like, always wear shoes and for the next six weeks and don't walk around barefoot because bad things could happen. And just be careful. Don't run. That reminded me of... Because we were both lifeguards. Do you remember the Ziffy yes. sternum thing where, you, where you're doing chest compressions? Like you can break that off and it's oh, fine. Yeah. It's like at the bottom of the sternum, there's a little yeah. bit of bone or something. That, yep. Similar thing. Yep. Um, oh, Jamie, we need to do a Baywatch episode <laughs> where we play Baywatch music and talk about our lifeguarding days. Some people stand <laughs> We could have David Hasselhoff as a guest. Sure. I'm sure he's got nothing more else on right now. <laughs> uh, all the Germans in our, in our uh, audience are going to love that. They're going to be so impressed. So uh, impressed. So what are we talking about today? It isn't Baywatch, Oh, oh today is a, an incredible day because, cue the music, Jamie, today is Lady Karen and Lord Jamie's School of Business Decorum. Did I say it right? Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> I'm going to put some uh, nice orchestral classical music under that bit, <laughs> which the listeners will have already heard. <laughs> yes. Oh, I can't wait. We asked in our Facebook group if, uh, if our listeners had any questions for us to review. So rather than dealing with hypotheticals, we're actually going to deal with some real situations here. So uh, yes. who knows? I mean, these, this is just, let's just put this out there. This is just our opinion. <laughs> this isn't like, yes. this is the way you should do this. This is just what we would do in this in these situations or yes. our thoughts on it. Opinion. Yeah. Not, not medical advice. Yeah. <laughs> this is about as useful as medical advice. Karen and Jamie are not um, licensed business people and cannot give business advice. <laughs> well, we're not no, business I mean, advisors. We're business no, we're people. Not business. We are business people. I mean, but let's be real, though. We've done pretty okay in our careers. So whatever we're doing must be working, like, most of the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, our opinion counts for something. It's not necessarily... At least, like, 75% of the time, it must work. Right. <laughs> yes. We haven't gone down in flames yet. <laughs> not yet. Um, so I think we're just going to go down 
sort of in order here. So let me um, let me kick off. So Tracy Ann Leith, is there a proper etiquette of addressing an overly demanding agency client? The session took four times longer than scheduled, and the contact person (brackets a wannabe voice actor) was extremely demanding and overly focused on minutia, repeatedly asking for numerous retakes. Thanks in advance. Um, what are your thoughts on that? So. We're talking about an agency client, which means that they came through your agent? Well, I was wondering about that. I wonder if she means like an advertising agency oh. that was connected by a, a peer because of the wannabe voice actor. Well, okay. I'll give you what I would do in both scenarios. If yeah. it's somebody through my agent, I would be texting my agent throughout the whole session <laughs> <laughs> yeah. being like, and you know, I, this is, this is another like point of advice. Like I, your agent is part of your team and you need to be sure that you are in touch with your agent enough that you have the kind of relationship where you can text them or send them an email and say, hey, this session was supposed to be two hours, but it's going into hour three and it may go longer. Like you need to have that immediate um, contact point with your agent. You don't have to like go out and get drinks with them, you know, on the weekends or something. Or like have Zoom drinks if you <laughs> if they're in a different place. But you should have a, a close enough relationship that you feel comfortable, like just sending them a text message or an email, you know, out of the blue. And they should be the ones, anytime you have an agency contact, through your agent, I should say, um, they should be the ones that deal with that kind of thing. You can also, this is, this is um, if you don't have an agent, or even if you do have an agent, be sure that you get the end time for your session. Every single session you book, be sure it's not just, we have a session tomorrow at 9 a.m. Great, and there's no end time. Yeah. Ask them, how long do you need? If they say 9 a.m. to 10 a.m., great. Once you get to 10 a.m., you say to them, I'm so sorry, but I have a hard out at 10 a.m. I have another session. I have to leave my house. I have to do whatever. I have a hard out at 10 a.m. You can start saying that around 940 so that they know they have 20 more minutes to get through it. And if they don't get through it by the end of the session that they agreed to, then you schedule another session and you get paid for that next session. Mm. So it's really that's what it's about. And, and that way it makes it about your schedule and not about them necessarily. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And um, what about, I assume this wannabe voice actor in this example was also directing or I couldn't tell whether this, well, it was obviously a directed session. So they were, quote, extremely demanding and overly focused on minutia, repeatedly asking for numerous retakes. Um, whether you like it or not, you're the sort of puppet that has to be kind of, you, they are, they're pulling the strings, right? So you sort of do what Ever you're asked to do, whether you agree with it or not, or whether you think take one is the one that's going to be used and we're on take 37, <laughs> you know, at this point, you have to be careful, obviously, if people are pushing you to do something that you're not comfortable or you're talking about something that you're not comfortable with, that's a different discussion. But generally speaking, you do what you're asked to do in a, in a directed session. And the beauty of a directed session, of course, is that once you're done with a session, your responsibility is over. You send that audio off or they've got it because it was Source Connect and you're done. So I would prefer to sweat in the booth for an hour and give them everything in that session rather than have them come back wanting something different. I totally agree. 
some directors are demanding and they or they don't know what they want and then they try and have you go all around the houses and oftentimes I don't know if you you do this but sometimes if if they get to the point where they're like oh, I don't you know they they seem confused I'll say could I just have a stab at it doing it my way I just I just have a sense of maybe let's try this it might be terrible but you know and I would say 60 70% of the time they're like oh yeah no that's cool I like that you know the so sometimes you can help them out with with a way of doing something that maybe they not they've not thought about the other thing that i'll say is uh sometimes so i don't i don't really understand why actors get so upset about directors giving line reads yeah and no, if you don't know what a line read is a line read is the director will say i really want you to say it like this every day we make the world a better place and then i go oh okay sure i'll i'll do it like that every day we make the world a better place and they're like yes that's exactly what i wanted right people tend to get upset about that because it's not their interpretation of whatever it is but if it's something that's really specific or a short amount of time like a commercial and they have a sound in their head to me i'm like if they're if they start getting into well can you do it with more empathy can you do it with this word highlighted or whatever sometimes i ask them actually would you could you read it the way that you hear it yeah and then i'll just try and match exactly what you did and what what happens there are two things that happen number one they're like we want it to be every day we make the world a better place and i'm like great got it and then we got it and then it's done or they'll be like okay i think i want it to go every day we oh, i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> every day we make the world better no 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 that's not right and then they realize how hard your job is yeah. and then they're much more empathetic later yeah. yeah so you can only they're only positives i completely opinion. agree sometimes also in that situation they might be using an ag- adjective and your interpretation of that adjective is totally different so that they might be saying something like oh we want it brighter or something like that and what they mean is they want it maybe more enthusiastic which to me are the two different things um so when you hear them say it you get a sense of oh okay that's what they're looking for and then you're back on the same page again i don't know why you'd be upset about that what's what is insulting about a line read uh there it's like um i don't know it's like questioning you as an actor look at the end of the day we're not necessarily here to bring our brilliance and <laughs> yeah. you know to a certain degree our creativity yes but like i said at the beginning we're kind of dancing to their tune really we give them whatever they want you know that's just the name of the game really 90% of the time yeah our creativity was sort of established from the audition you know yeah. we had complete free reign to do what we wanted then and you know that got us in the room and then essentially we give them whatever they want so you know in in 20 minutes time <laughs> this will be a distant memory you know <laughs> yes okay let's move on from fleece how to handle a client who asks you to hold multiple days for a job that doesn't pay much and then keeps extending the days that you're on hold as the original dates pass <laughs> yeah it's oh annoying. man i feel this <laughs> yes so much yeah okay so i used to be under the impression that if i was holding days i couldn't do anything else that yeah. i couldn't book any other work that i couldn't um you know schedule a doctor's appointment or like plan to be out of town or whatever um for the days that they were holding me 
What I've come to learn now is that often a hold, especially if it's multiple days, is just like, we just want to make sure that we're on your radar for these days. And the thing to do is to request a book and release for anything that you book on top of those holds. So you have a client that's holding you Monday to Friday next week. You, ha- you have client B who wants to book you Tuesday at 9 a.m. So you email client A and say, hey, client A, um, I have another client that wants to book me Tuesday at 9 a.m. Could you release me for that hour? And they usually write back and say, no problem. Then you write back, you know, the next day, hey, client A, um, I have a, I have a, uh, I have to book out or I'd like to request a book and release for Wednesday, 12 to 2 p.m. Do you mind releasing me for that time? They write back and say, yes, no problem. That's so you can go to a doctor's appointment, but you don't have to say why. You know, as things come in, you are writing to them and asking to be released for those times. But you can still keep it on your calendar as like, I know that this session is coming at some point. Um, I just have to request their permission to have that time released. Or you write back and say, um, when you have a lot of bookings, hey, um, any chance that you can narrow down the hold a little bit? I'm I'm getting multiple booking requests for other days and I just want to be I just want to know what I can give them what we're definitely not going to use. And often they'll say, "Oh, you know, well we just got, you know, word from our script supervisor that um we're not going to have things approved until Friday. So you can release everything until Friday." You know, or well, well probably it'll be approved on Wednesday and so you can release everything until Wednesday. So that's how that's how I would handle it. What about you? Yeah, absolutely. If you're dealing with the clients directly, I think where it gets a little complicated is when you're dealing with reps, your representation, and you might say to them, you know, they've asked you to hold, like in your example, for a whole week. (laughs) That doesn't then mean you have to like, you can't book anything in that week. But when something comes in, you might have to contact your agent and you will have to contact your agent. I have had on occasion, my agents come back and say, well, they don't know yet. They don't know. And they don't give you any kind of satisfactory response. In that case, what I say to client B is, look, I'm held for this whole period of time and I don't know, it's probably going to be just a two-hour session some point in this week. Could we book in your preferred time with a backup time? It's unlikely that your preferred time is going to perfectly align with this session if it comes in. Um, But just to let you know, and especially if you've gone through that sort of process of having contacted your agent and they they can't get any clarification... And then you're honest with client B and it's not, it doesn't look terrible, quite frankly, to client B that you're so in high demand. So it's not like they're going to, you know, flounce off in a strop. Yeah. Um, Sometimes I'll do that even if I haven't contacted the agent, because if I've already contacted the agent and the agent's already contacted the client, if it's, it gets to the point where it's just like such a rigmarole of getting that whole process done that I'll just make the, make the judgment call. What sometimes happens or often happens is they'll hold you for, say, two days or three days, and then the night before, you'll get released. <laughs> um, I'm like, gee, thanks, that's really helpful. <laughs> you know, it's like 8 p.m., and now I'm released for tomorrow. But at least then there's some notice, you know, for client B. Um, now, Fleece says a second part to her question. Yeah. How to handle when they want re-records because they gave you the wrong... Pr- they they gave you... This is the, this is the That's key, the key. part. <laughs> they gave you the wrong pronunciations of proper nouns that are not in the dictionary, and now they realize their mistake. So, like, for example, 
um, if they said, oh, the, the brand name of this drug is Invisia, and then you find out later it's Invisia. Yeah. I just made up a, I just made up a drug name. They're all made up anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and then they ask you for a re-record of that. What do you do, Jamie? It's difficult when it's a brand name because you probably said it like 27 times in the script, you know. Then that's a significant effort on your part to re-record. You know, even if it's a spot, you know, but all the different ways they have you do it. If this was something high profile like commercial or something, turnaround times are so quick, I would probably say, well, I can just record a whole bunch of extra copy with this pronunciation and send it in and hopefully that's that's good i will remember where they directed me to that point i can listen back to the session if i really need to remind myself and that will probably do the trick and in that case if it's just a you know a few lines i'll probably just do it and just send mm -hmm. it to them obviously if it's like really long no they're gonna have to pay some money for that that was really their mistake it depends if it's a union you know, commercial or something like that, they really, they have to pay more money for that. Mm -hmm. Like a second session, at least a session fee. It's not going to be a, use, a separate usage fee. We're going to talk about that later, actually, session and usage fees. Sometimes you'll do a project for a company that they're really great. They pay you really quickly. They're an ideal client. You work with them regularly. And it's no skin off your nose to hop in the booth and just re-record it a couple of times and send it yeah. in. Then you just reaffirm that relationship. And it's just, that's really valuable. And if you were following the letter of the law with the union, yes, okay, you should charge, you know, another session, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, it's just being a decent person, if, especially if they're nice people. <laughs> yeah. Know? And it was just an honest mistake. If they have changed the wording of the script, I actually look at that slightly differently because they've rewritten a copy. I'd be more likely to charge them in that case rather than a simple, oh, we said the, the product name wrong. They're not trying to sneak a rewrite in there. To me, that's a bit different. Um, what about you? Um, this brings me to Lady Karen's School of Business Decorum <laughs> Rule of Thumb Number One, which is, we've said this a million times before, but it's often more beneficial to do an easy favor than nickel and dime for a session fee. Because when you can do an easy favor and they don't have to go back to their boss and ask for a budget increase because of their mistake... You just have saved them an awkward interaction, their boss getting mad, and a little bit of money. Yeah. And so you are a hero in their eyes um, for, for that moment. Yeah. <laughs> so if it's an easy pickup, I just would not charge. Even if they say to me, we're so sorry, um, you know, we, we told you the wrong pronunciation, um, we, what would you charge for this? Often... I write back and say, oh, it's only two lines, N no charge. Yeah. Like, because it's more important to have repeat work from this client over and over and over again than it is to get an extra $150. Yeah. But, you know, if they do ask, what would you charge for this? I would say something like, would a $150 session fee be okay? And they might say, oh, we only have $50 in the budget. And then I say, oh, that's fine. You know, like... I never say, I never get mad at them, you know? The other thing that I think we need to make, the other point we need to make here is that 99 times out of 100 or 999 times out of 1,000, it's just a mistake. 
it's not someone trying to get one over on you. <laughs> and I think people are too quick to jump to the, I'm being screwed over, I'm being messed around. Yeah. When really it's, it's just someone effed up. And we all do that. We all make mistakes all the time. So a little bit of uh, grace in that situation is probably, probably helpful. And it also helps with your sanity as well, rather than getting all riled up about something. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on. Lisa Leonard. How would you respond to a potential client who not only declines your rate quote, but does it with a snarky attitude? You know, I could find other talents who would do this for only a hundred bucks. Ugh. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? I don't want to work with that person. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just you can write back with a snarky attitude like, like, OK, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, I just wouldn't respond. I would be like, great. This is not a person I want to work with. Yeah. Um. To yeah. me, the the um, the the talent client relationship is like uh, you know, it's like any relationship. Like, do you want to be friends with this person? Do you want to date this person? <laughs> like, <laughs> if they're acting like that, I'm really glad I dodged a bullet and didn't do it for a hundred bucks. Yeah. So. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, I just want to wrap that up as soon as possible and get on with my life. I'm like, yeah. okay, well, uh, best of luck. <laughs> Hope you can find someone. Yeah, while I have everything in my person screams, tell them to F off in a rude way, I will just be polite just to give them no ammunition to come back because I just want them to just go away and just yeah. move on with my life. <laughs> That's pretty straightforward. If someone's giving you attitude, you don't have to take it. Let's move on. Okay. So this ha this happens often. <laughs> yeah. Which is a client hires you and they say, "Oh my god, we loved it. We loved your audition. Do it exactly like the audition." And you're like, "Okay." And then you do it exactly like the audition and then they're like, "Actually, no. That's not what we wanted. It's too whatever." And then they and then they like direct you in a bunch of different ways. What do you do with that? And and I'm I'm assuming that Mark is talking about when it's not a directed session. Yeah, I think that's, when you're sending yeah. takes and then they're like, oh, sorry, no, that's not right. Do it again. And then there's and then they ask you to send back more takes and then and then they ask you to send back more takes, et cetera, et cetera. In regard to the well, they love the audition. Why do they not want it like the audition? I mean, there could be a load of different reasons for that. It could be one team did the casting, another team is doing the production, and then they're wanting something different from the casting or whatever. So this is annoying and frustrating, but it, it can happen. But in terms of dealing with it, there's going with the direction. If it's really clear and you know, okay, well, they want it this way, go and just record it and do it again. Another thing would be trying to just get them on Zoom and just mm -hmm. say, look, can you just... That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Can you just hop on just so I can really zero in on exactly what you're looking for? And yes. then send it back. Or if it's that's inconvenient or it's like later in the day and there's a time zone issue, I just overwhelm them with copy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Many different them, options. Yeah. I'll give them one run through exactly how I think. Then I'll give them a whole variation of takes for each line. And then maybe another one at the end, just something just off the wall or something. I don't know. Um, and then... At the very least, they're like, he's covered so many bases here. There must be, there must be a right take in here somewhere, like um, with speed variation and energy and mood variation and, and things like that. So either one of those three, depending on the situation. And, you know, if someone's going to be really fussy and difficult, if you can get them on a call, they're often 
less fussy and they're yeah. not quite as annoying as you think they're going to be yeah. <laughs> from the yeah. email. What Especially you? if you're very pleasant on the call as well. Yeah. You as the talent are like, I just wanted to be sure that you get exactly what you want. So just tell me what you want and then we'll do it. It'll be so great. We're <laughs> best friends now. <clears throat> um, I had this happen to me recently, actually, where, where uh, a production company that I work with all the time, they always just send me scripts. I record them. I send them that back and they're like, great. They had a new client working with them and I recorded and and I'll just say the spot that I was doing was very much in my wheelhouse. It was about opera. (laughs) And so I recorded it and I recorded it and they kept saying, oh, it's not right. It's mispronounced somehow, which I'm like, I know how to pronounce this. I'm an opera singer. Um, So but we eventually just got on a call and went through the whole thing. And they were so pleasant and lovely and wonderful. And um, and we got it done and it was fine. But I mean, it happens at all at all levels. And um, yeah, this is very typical. And that's what I would say. Just get on Zoom. Yeah, it's just so much easier. Again, directed sessions are so much better if you can just be done yeah, with it. The and time then, and then you're, yeah. then you're just done. You could just make a phone call, like put your yeah. airport in and just do it over the phone. Like yeah. they just want to hear that performance. So you don't have to overthink it. Also, you know, if you're on a platform, which there are several, we won't name them by name, but where you don't have direct contact with the client um, mm. because you're interacting through through the platform, jumping in a directed session is a great way to have directed uh, to have direct contact with them yeah. because they see your face, they're talking to you. You can even say in the directed session, "Hey, could you um, send me the newest version of the script?" Then they send it to your email. You have it. Then you have that face to face interaction and you've established direct contact, which is good. Yeah, love that. Okay, let's move on. Jessica Tej, is that how you pronounce your name, Jessica? Um, When a client says they just want to pay a flat rate but can't guarantee that the job will not be used for paid media down the line. I've lost several jobs because of this and I'm wondering if it's my in my explanation of why that it's not okay. That's not okay. So she's asking if a client agrees to a rate that is then later on used for paid media and her response is what she's questioning, whether it's her explanation of why that's not okay if that's the issue. So here's the response that I normally give. Um, So the situation is, client says, we want to pay you $500 for this internal video, right? Or like a brand video for our website. Two-minute video, $500. And they say, we don't know if they'll be paid media. I say, because uh, paid media, just so so everyone, it, we're all on the same page, is an ad. And it's not that they would necessarily take the whole three-minute video that you did and turn the three minutes into an ad. It's that they would cut it down and use, like, the front section and the back section for an ad or something. So what I say to them is something along the lines of... Thank you so much. You know, I the reason why I can't agree to paid media is because it actually creates a product conflict for me and makes it really tricky for me to book other work in the same category, even sometimes years later. So your company is in the product category of software. If this were to be turned into an ad, I would not be able to work for any other software company as long as the ad is running. And an ad requires an additional fee. So if it's okay with you, I would love to just agree to have this be non-broadcast 
And if you do use it for paid media, just send me an email and we'll work out a rate. Easy yeah. peasy. And if they say no, then you just, there are lots of jobs out there. <laughs> yeah. You know? I think that's really a really good point because I think they will just assume it's a money thing when in reality it's a money thing, but also a conflict thing. And if you can explain to them why that's an issue for you, whenever it's broadcast, whenever it's going to be much more public consumption, that is a problem potentially down the line. So yeah, you can lose out on a multi-thousand dollar gig because of this $500 gig that you agreed to three years ago. <laughs> and you also really need to know the usage length. Also, the category de depends a little bit. If it's something really niche that isn't going to create, is very unlikely to create a conflict for you moving forward, then you can probably be a, a little more flexible in that because it's not going to create such a big deal. But her question was actually in the wording of the response to why why that wouldn't be okay. Um, I guess we'd have to hear what it is that you say, <laughs> Jessica, to determine whether or not that's particularly off-putting. But yeah, just, I guess, one of those situations where you have to educate your clients a little bit. All right, Isabella Tugman, I'm going to ask you this question because this has never affected me. Um, what's the etiquette protocol when people start to hit on you? Oh, God. Uh, okay, so first of all, it's never okay for someone to hit on you in a work environment. Mm. I find that this is less of a problem on Zoom as it is as it used to be when I was doing lots of in-person sessions. Um, and it's less of a problem now that I'm a 38-year-old mom than it was when I was a 32-year-old person going into sessions in New York City, or 30 or however old I was. Um, the, I mean, this is just a, it's just a problem in general. Like, you just have to think about, it, and it depends on the severity of the hitting on you, right? Like, if it, if it's making you feel extremely uncomfortable... Definitely tell your agent about it. Definitely tell the studio owners about it. Tell whoever you need to about it. If it's something where someone's like, oh gosh, you're, I don't know. If, if it's something that's not making you feel particularly uncomfortable, I would, for me, I would just kind of laugh, make a joke, deflect, and try and move on into the work and be as professional as possible. And then if they come back to it, maybe make a joke like, oh, I'm going to call HR, you know, or <laughs> like <laughs> something, something that makes them go like, OK, or or mention my husband or boyfriend a bunch of times or, you know, but it, th this is really like just how do you deal with anyone hitting on you in general, but particularly in a work environment, it's yeah, it shouldn't be on your radar. It shouldn't it shouldn't be on your radar I would say as much as you can just focus on the work, just focus on the work. Mm. Don't don't engage um, except to deflect and just try and be as professional as possible and don't feed into the to the flirtatiousness of it. I wonder how commonplace this is. Oh, uh, it's pretty commonplace. <laughs> I mean, mm. I, I think that if you it's interesting because I, I we see different sides of the industry, I think, being being of the female persuasion or male persuasion or maybe not. I mean, I'm sure there are men that get hit on as well, but it's very common. It's very mm. common, I would say. I mean, not not so much now that everyone's working from home. Yeah. You know, and also like I'm working in my 
pajamas and you can only see me from the shoulders up. So right. <laughs> it's a little bit of a different situation. Yeah. But but back in the in-person days and still if you go to studios in person, you know, anytime you're in person somewhere with someone who feels like they want to date you, there's always the potential that they're going to try and ask you to date them <laughs> or or open up that door because you're only seeing each other for this hour and they got to shoot their shot while you're still there, you know, and it's just, uh, yeah. So just deal with it as it comes and, and, uh, try to be professional and I'm sorry that that's happening. It should never happen. And if it gets to be something that makes you feel extremely uncomfortable, tell the studio owner, tell your agent and tell them to just, you know, F off or something. (laughs) It's difficult because we're freelancers we don't have an hr department that we can go to you know you're going in for that one session and then you're leaving and who is the person ultimately responsible for that i guess that company potentially has an hr department that can be contacted potentially either the ad agency or the studio probably the studio doesn't have an hr department but someone there maybe that would be someone to contact like you said earlier but i mean not fun. if it's a studio if if it if it gets really bad you know, you could always leave a review somewhere of them so that other people see it and know. You could potentially warn other people about them in a Facebook group, make an anonymous post or something. Just be sure that everything that you say is factually accurate and you're not maligning people because you can get sued if you say the wrong thing. Um write about your experience, not about them personally, maybe. Mm. Um, yeah, it's just, it, it, that's, it's just, it's an unfortunate situation. And I feel like as women, we learn to deflect early in our lives. And I hate to say that it's kind of just like what, what we know how to do and just do, <laughs> but that's, it kind of happens. You know, people are like, hello, you're beautiful. I want to, do you want to come out with us tonight? You know, like you're just walking down the street and you're like, ha, ha, no, no. They're like, really? Why not? Give me your number. You're like, oh, no, no, I don't. I'm sorry. I'm going to meet my friends. For me, it's like always such a, it's such a thing that I've never even encountered personally yeah. in a way that it always is shocking to me when I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, there's this whole other thing that exists that doesn't affect me that is so impactful to every woman I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, and also there, there is, there's a power dynamic at play when someone is hiring you for a job and they're hitting on, on you. Yeah. You don't want to make them mad because you want them to hire you again. But at the same time, do you want to be hired again by somebody who's going to hit on you? Um, and mm. even if they, even if they are not hiring you, often there's a power dynamic at play because they're physically larger than you. Yeah. And so you are, you know, you're in a situation where if you say something to make them mad, you know, logically, you think they're not going to attack me in the street. That statistically probably won't happen. But there's always that fear in your mind. And it's like on an animal, animalistic level of like this being is bigger than I am and probably stronger than I am and runs faster than I do. And if I make them mad, I could be in a situation that will threaten my my safety. Yeah. So that's why 
we try to deflect. That's why we try not to piss people off. That's why we're not 100% honest all the time. Um, because you don't want to be in a situation where you're, you are in danger. Even perceived danger. You yeah. Know? Or you get a reputation of like being, uh, being a bitch and they don't want to hire you again. That's also a fear of women. So, and that's really easy to do because... A lot of times when people get turned down, they don't want to think like, oh, it was me that was inappropriate. They just want to say, oh, God, she's such a bitch. You know, like, it's her. It's not me. It could never be me. Yeah. I was just trying to shoot my shot. You know, <laughs> like. Yeah. What about if a situation was to happen? Would shooting an email to Nava at least getting the ball rolling on raising awareness of maybe someone who was not acting appropriately. Yeah. It might not directly lead to direct action, but can at least get the ball rolling on, okay, this person has been noted. Well, yeah. So what's good about alerting Nava, there there are not a lot of things that Nava can do legally. Yeah. But Nava does have a legal defense fund. And we mm. have in the past many months connected people who have legal problems with clients, with demo producers, with getting their money or or filing a complaint against a company that maybe used their voice without their permission for uh, AI, all kinds of things. We have connected them with uh, lawyers for a one-hour consultation that comes out of the Nava Legal Defense Fund. So because meetings with lawyers are expensive and we understand that and we have a fund set aside specifically for actors to meet with our legal team or a legal team that deals with whatever your problem happens to be. So that's good. And then also, we know as Nava, don't hire this person to teach a class. Yeah. Don't, you know, don't hire this person. Don't like put their name out and say, yay, a Nava sponsored event with so and so, you know, like we then we know as an association, we cannot go out and specifically say, do not work with this person, but we can do things that, that, you know, highlight other people who are doing good work and not hitting on people. And, and you are guaranteed a sympathetic ear if you were definitely. to reach out to Nava. You're not gonna, there's not going to be any career consequences or anything for, for raising a red flag in a situation like that. So if definitely. you have experienced something like that, you know, you know that Nava is a safe place to go to talk yeah. to someone. Okay. I would also, let's let's flip it around real quick and just say like, what if you're really into the engineer and they're hitting on you? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, what do you do in that situation? Um, I would say <laughs> it's really hard to date within your industry, but if this is somebody who you've been pining after and writing songs about in your <laughs> spare time, and then maybe it's meant to be and you can pursue that that relationship if that's something that you want. But just make sure that you have uh, consent on both sides and everyone's happy about the situation. <laughs> I would say maybe wait till after the session to shoot them maybe an email. Maybe wait till after the session. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe connect with them on Instagram or Facebook. And yeah, or LinkedIn You have a relationship yeah. outside of, a personal relationship outside of the job. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on. Oh, grammar problems. I like this question. What do you do if there are grab grammar problems in an otherwise smoothly written script? Um, do you, if you're recording on your own, record it with the right grammar 
record one take with the right grammar? Do you just fix it automatically in your head? Um, so, Jamie, what? tell me. Well, he says here that English is likely not their native language, which is yes. a very key thing, too. Yes. Um, in that situation, when I know that it's, you know, a non-native English speaker, and I know what they're trying to say, I will probably note that I've made this change, but I will make the change. If it's something small, and it's obvious that it's a mistake. The same with a typo. You know, in the past, I would be like, well, I, you know, I have to read the script exactly as written because I'm blah, blah, blah. Just use your common sense. <laughs> you know, if there's an obvious little error, I wouldn't even bring it up, probably. Yeah, you can absolutely read it as written and then give alts at the end so that they can just drop it in. But if it's changing the meaning, yeah, for sure, you have to, I would probably get clarification. This also speaks to getting the script in advance, giving it a read through and getting it approved. And if there's something significant in there that you think, oh, this really, I'm not sure. Either I don't really understand what they're getting at because it's so weirdly written. You'd need clarification because I think it goes without saying, but whenever we've directed people in sessions, I'm like, do you know what you're saying right now? Because you really need to know at least the intent of what you're saying to really give a authentic performance. But anyway, that's a different point. Um, oftentimes, actually, what I'll do is I might record it as an alt for myself later, knowing that I kind of get the sense that they might want it this way so that I can just send them the, the pickup later and it was recorded at the same time on the same day. But then don't get annoyed if they really want it the way that's quote unquote wrong. If they want it that way, that's the way they want it. You know, I've, I've seen people in the past get really upset about bad grammar and they start attacking the the client look if that's the way they want it read just do it and move on with your life you know it's not worth getting upset about my my grandma was uh very she she was a, a an elementary school teacher and very serious about grammar i think we all have someone in our lives all our listeners are probably thinking of the person in their life right now <laughs> who's very serious about grammar. <laughs> um, my, uh, and, and one thing that my grandma always used to um, hate is when people ended sentences with the word at. Like, oh. where's the cheese at? And that was a whole commercial campaign <laughs> I agree for a with while. her completely. Do you remember? <laughs> where's the cheese at? Or like, <laughs> I hate it. I hate it when people say, um, uh, like here at here at Evocation, we meet you where you're at. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of annoying. We meet you where you're at. <laughs> it's... Oh, so it's annoying to me. Yeah. But at the same time, I I do realize that meet you where you're at or where is it at is a colloquialism mm. that people use, and maybe they maybe the copywriter, the scriptwriter wrote it that way to make it seem more natural and authentically a certain type of person. So if that's how it's written, then I'll say it. But what I might do is I do a little, this is Lady Karen's school of business decorum, rule of thumb number two. Sometimes it's good to do something to, when you want someone to do something to kind of shape it in a way that they make it it makes it seem like it's their idea. This is not a good rule of thumb. But what I'm saying is, I might say, um, accidentally, in quotation marks, in a take, 
Here at Evocation, we meet you where you are. And then I'll go on with the rest of the script. And then I'll go back and say, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I, <sighs> Dumb me. <laughs> I meant to say we meet you where you're at. But I just, I'm sorry, it's hard for me to say at at the end of a sentence. We can go back and do it again. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, well, is that actually grammatically correct? Stephanie, you're the one who wrote it. Brad? I don't know. Let's 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 do meet you where you are. And I'm like, oh no, yeah. I mean, it's it's fine. We can say meet you where you're at. And they're like, no, actually, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I find I do that by accident because badly written scripts are so much harder to read because you automatically <laughs> expect what's coming up, and then they yeah. throw something wacky in there, and then I will actually slip <laughs> up on it. What about contracting things like it's and oh, yeah. it is and things totally like that? Totally yeah. contract things. Yeah. Yeah, I hate it when I hate it when a client is like, we want this to be um, super conversational. And then they write at evocation, we will meet you where you are at. Yes. And then you're like, what? this is not conversation at, at all, conversational at all. Yeah. And so if you change it from we will meet you where you are at, <laughs> <laughs> then you can change it to we'll meet you where you're at. Yeah. Which sounds more conversational, but is grammatically incorrect. So then you say, we'll meet you where you are. <laughs> <laughs> Accidentally. Yeah. The rule of thumb is make it seem like their idea. <laughs> Love that. Okay. Uh, all right. So, Corey Leg. Yeah. All right. Yeah. How to handle clients who want to back out of contracts for their own reasons despite being pleased with your work, then refuse to honor the contract's early termination terms regarding the work you've already completed. Very long-form content. Also, clients who are rude or passive-aggressive about the inconvenience your maternity-paternity honeymoon will have on them, despite significant advanced notice. All right, that's a very specific situation. <laughs> um, let's make it more general for everybody. So let's let's deal with the first part first. Yeah. Um, if they're in breach of contract, they're in breach of contract, and they're supposed to adhere to the contract. So if there are early termination rules and they terminated early, they're still required to abide by what the what the contract says. You can decide whether or not you want to pursue that because it costs often more to pursue that legally than um, just let it letting it go. Yeah. Um, but there is there is when you're doing broadcast work, there is always, even if it just says one fee, a session fee and a usage fee. The session fee is for the time that you're in the studio. The usage fee is for how they use the final product that you made from that session. So if the even if it says the total fee for this is $1,000 and then you do the job and then they, you know, I don't know, come back and say, you know what, we decided we're scrapping the whole campaign. We're not going to use it on TV at all. The client didn't like the colors in it or whatever. Um, they're really only entitled. I mean, if it says $1,000, then you should just keep your $1,000 if you got it already. But if they say something like, we're not going to pay for the usage, so could we potentially just pay you for a session? That's not out of the, out of the norm. Mm. In the union world, it's actually broken down that way. And if you're smart, you will break it down that way before you do the job just in case, because you what you don't want is for them to come to you and say, we're scrapping the project, so we're not paying you at all. So that's, so that's 
something. I think it also depends because this is very long form content. If you have delivered oh, yeah. a lot of work that they're now refusing to pay you versus, well, now we just want to terminate the contract and the remaining work that was in the contract we don't want to do anymore. Uh, if you are essentially squared away, okay, maybe they're contractually obliged to fulfill the rest of that. But do you, re do you really want to fulfill that and then work with that, continue to work with that client who is really not wanting that? <laughs> they could make your life a misery, really. I mean, they could. Yeah. Um, so then, yeah, by the letter of the law, yeah, they need to stick to the contract. But again, that could be a bit of a nightmare if you really force them to stick to it. Mm -hmm. and, and then the second part is uh, how do you deal with people who are inconvenienced about your maternity leave or honeymoon or whatever it is? Like, sorry. Yeah, you <laughs> to them, life. you know, yeah. like you have a life. You can't always be on call for them at all times. I would just let it go, honestly. Yeah, I mean, some people or like throw it maybe all when they give you, fine. yeah, when they, when they give you an out of office message, you could send a passive aggressive <laughs> email back to them. Oh, interesting. In oh, so oh, you're off work. You, you're taking time off. <laughs> oh wow. I mean, I guess that's okay. I was thinking that we were gonna work together, but I mean. <laughs> If that's what you need to do, like go on a honeymoon, I guess. <laughs> I, this is the thing. I think, you know, it's understandable. People are very emotional or overly emotional, I think, with business stuff. And I, I think mm -hmm. you don't need to meet them where they're at with something like that. Like if they're... <laughs> meet them where they're Whoa, at. Oh, my God. I even said it. <laughs> you planted it in it my in brain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't need to join them in that emotional location. Um I, as I've gotten on in my career, I've become more and more disconnected with the emotional side of what I do in terms of the business, you know, the performance thing, that's cool. But I will let many more things fly in a way that earlier in my career, I might have been a bit more upset or offended about. Um, because I think you're more in a sort of emotional, vulnerable state when you're early in your career, where you're trying to figure things out. Um, yeah. As you go on, I think you just be like, eh, whatever. Next yeah. one. Move on. Um I think we're probably going to have to do this in two episodes. We've got quite a few Oh, my more. gosh. Yeah. Only if people like it, though. What if they come back and tell us? Well, that's well I mean, I guess you could tough do luck. two episodes. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, guys. You're just going to have to deal with this. You're contractually obliged to listen to the two parts of this episode. <laughs> Maybe we should leave them with a cliffhanger. Oh, okay. Well, Steve's got an extremely long question so let's... oh yeah there's another little little tip here if you want us to read your question out keep it brief because <laughs> neither of us want to read a book oh here's a here's a cliffhanger okay. for you steve says at the end of his comment here sad but lesson learned oh business is business follow contracts to the letter even with apparent friends what could that be about well, you could just go to the Facebook group and read it, but yeah. I I just, I, I can't, I, this question is so involved and so wonderful, Steve Worsley. We're going to have to save it for the next episode. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. <laughs> really leaving and wanting more. That's, know, the, uh, that's the rule of podcasting. <laughs> I feel like we don't know how to do a podcast. <laughs> So Speak I feel for yourself. at the end of all of these episodes. I know, Jamie, you've done like 7,000 podcasts. 
<laughs> it doesn't mean I'm good at it, though. That's <laughs> Speaking of which, tell us about your podcast that you're doing right now, the new one. Oh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, Soundstage Insider. I've just been interviewing uh, a bunch of people for a, a sort of season two, um, but it's all about the behind-the-scenes people in film and TV. So as you probably know that I produce Backstage's podcast and we interview actors, and I love it, but I've heard enough from actors. <laughs> about the process <laughs> and I'm going to keep doing the podcast because I enjoy it but I'm I really wanted to hear from more behind the scenes crew because I would consider myself a behind the scenes person as well and so uh, we talk to everyone production designers directors producers writers um, makeup people even you know I, I, it's really interesting and we've spoken to a whole host of people. I'm about to speak to someone from the Barbie movie. <laughs> um, so that's yeah, the costume designer for Barbie. And, oh uh, my gosh. Yeah. That's like the most important person in the world right, <laughs> right. now. I know. And it's, I was looking it up. It's made something like over three, was it three billion or something like that in, in box wow. office sales? It's, it's insane how much money that movie's made. Um, but yeah, it's, it's cool. It's called Soundstage Insider. You should check it out. I'm on a slight hiatus right now while I'm sort of banking a bunch of episodes and um, episodes will be back up and running in a couple of weeks' time. So, yeah. Anything to plug with you? Uh, what we got coming we up? Have a, we have a conference coming up. That's true. In, uh, in April. Yeah. Let's talk about that. In Costa Rica. You, you should all come to it. I mean, not all of you can come to it. Only We only have 10 rooms left. <laughs> so <laughs> potentially 20 of you could come if you all share rooms. Yeah. <laughs> But we have some amazing speakers. Um, Jennifer Hale is going to be there, who's like one of the most celebrated video game voice actors and and animation. Really, she does she does everything. She's incredible. Um, and uh, we have all kinds of amazing speakers. And we got more people to Maybe. announce, which we're going to do. And shortly. we have more people to announce, which we were going to do this week, and we haven't done it because we're just waiting on just a couple of graphics. But that's all right. Yeah. No fault of anyone. No. And we are actually, it's my fault because I haven't made them. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got a broken foot. But I have a lot of things going on at the moment. But you know, it's good. It's fine. It's all good. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, everyone, thanks, thanks everyone. for joining us. And we'll see you next we'll time. We'll see you for part two or part three. Is this part three? Oh, I guess that would the be part three, part three. Yeah. What's it called again? It's like it. Lady Karen and Lord Jamie's School of Business Decorum. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> you should be the one saying it, though, because uh, I, I could do it like in an American accent. I prefer you doing it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye.